Empire. Hello and welcome to another edition, a live stream edition of the John Com Report. Don't forget you can you can find our podcast at Apple, Spotify, wherever you hear podcasts. You can find us on YouTube via Empire Media. Get there, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, you know the deal. You can read my work on ESPN.com and you can listen to Bram Weinstein, the voice of the commanders on ESPN 630. Don't forget that as well. Bram, I have no words and a lot to say. How's that after a three and four start? This is not where I thought, they, you know, it's funny because I say it's not where I thought they would be. I thought they'd probably be four and three. So we're talking one game off. It's just that two of these last three losses have just been outright disasters. Yeah. Uh, 0-4 team at home, 1-5 team on the road, 1-5 team at a backup quarterback and a, at this point in the season, injured offensive line like I've never seen. Right. And um, they were dominated in the first half. I mean, both sides of the ball, really. But I'm, I'm really, to me, you know, I was going in expecting, in the season, expecting the offense to be, hit and miss, figure it out, young quarterback, new coordinator, everybody's, you know, learning on the fly here, but cut them some slack. You know, they might have some good games, some good moments. There are some redeeming things. We can talk about it, but there would be problems. And then, you know, we're talking about an offensive line that I think we all knew would not necessarily be their strength, but was hopefully not going to be a weakness. And I was kind of ready for that. What I'm really not ready for is in general, the amount of yards, big plays, Oh and until God. the last couple of weeks, points that the defense is giving up regularly and they're not playing regular world-beating offenses. I mean, this no. is the Bears, Falcons, and Giants. It's, like it's one thing when it was back-to-back Buffalo and Philadelphia. This is Denver, Arizona, Bears, um, Giants, and Falcons, and the record's under 500. And I think that's the part to me that's very surprising that they don't have a better record, especially with what I kind of thought their defense would be this year. It's very disappointing, and it continues to be on defense. The big plays allowed. They're, I think they're 29th in yards and points, which is shocking given where they how they looked last year, where they finished last year, top 10 in both stats. But what's disappointing to me is the way, to be honest, like I felt, felt like the interior of the D-line – I was watching the first half when they needed when they needed him most. We're not there, not in the pass rush. And too often it's like you see Tyrod Taylor. I thought the Giants' game plan was good, but too often you'd see, you know, on on the touchdown pass to um, Saquon Barkley, he D- Jamin Davis has to get him inside first of all. But what also you see is on that one and on the touchdown to both touchdown passes is a big gap to throw to through the middle. And on the one to Barkley, the reason why Tyrod Taylor can step up in the pocket is because John Allen is way on the other side. I don't get it. And that's what I think is disappointing to me is that that D-line, which should have – I felt like there were times where they were very, very good yeah. at times. But, man, that interior has not done the job and should have done the job much better on Sunday. Yeah. That was disappointing. I'm very – I'm surprised. I really – I know they gave up a lot of yards against Atlanta, but I actually thought it was their best collective effort up front, really, against Atlanta. And it was, and there were some well-timed, you know, pressures, and they induced Ritter into a couple of big moment picks. And 
Like these are the type of things I kind of hope to see. I know they gave up more yards than I would have expected, but a lot of it was empty yards really. And when it push came to shove, they kind of showed what their metal is and how tough they can be to score on. And this past week, I mean, there were four drives out of five where the Giants were walking up and down the field on them. Yeah. And I'm with you. I'm I'm surprised that the defensive line did not not just control it, but dominate the game. And you know, a lot of people always want to be like, you know, look, like these are NFL players. It's not like like I know you say guys off the street, like one of the guys off the street who's famously straight off the couch was a first round pick, you know, like 10 years ago, but was. You know, the other guy who started like he's played in the NFL before. It's not like, you know, he never played before and they found him from Mankato state, you know, like that's not what happened, but still, if the strength of your team, the heartbeat of your team, the core of your team, and the group that is supposed to kind of lead you wherever you're going to go is not controlling the game for you, especially when they have an advantage, which they did. um, Then I, I really don't know what the answer is going to be. So to me, um, that's, it's been disappointing and I'm, I'm surprised at times. Like I've grown so accustomed to seeing Payne and Allen blow things up constantly that I've been surprised how rarely one or the other or not both are regularly doing it. And so I think that's been, you know, I don't, I don't want to put the blame on them, you know, and like well, I, you know. John Allen today after, <laughs> after his locker room performance the other day, oh, and I know he's frustrated, but like, again, Like, these are your core players. This is the core of your team. This is your strength. Like, it would be as if if the Eagles just stopped being a good run offense. And I would be like, well, there's your problem. Like, how in the world are they a bad run offense? Like, I look at the Washington defense and I go, this front needs to control games. That's as far as they're going to go. And and if they don't, they're going to have a problem. You know what I'd also like to see, Bram? And, I, you know, this team does not blitz much. And... At some point, I think, do you start changing things up a little bit? And it's not, it's, you know, though it's funny because you look at stats and their five man rushes is more because they often have, you know, the five, the Cinco package and um, you can, you know, you count five rushes. But in terms of just tactical blitzing, sending something where it just make the quarterbacks a little bit more uncomfortable because your, your front four is not getting it done. And, and again, they keep getting out of their gaps. And, it, and to be honest, like it's, it's not, you know, we, talked about this before it always gets seems like chase young gets singled out in that and it's to hell with that like it's not just him no you know by far and i think the interior has been a big issue with that i think those both guys are both great players and we've seen it and even against atlanta i felt like there were some plays where deron Payne was just awesome and john allen has done some wonderful things but you know you've got you know these quarterbacks like tyrod taylor kept escaping and why is that so you know, and you have another guy coming up this week where he can run a lot. But I think that's what's been disappointing. And I think also the development, you know, I think you need to see more from Percy Butler. And I think more consistency with executing assignments, right? And and things like that. And that's what is disappointing is that they're, they keep talking about the details, details, details. And it's not happening. No, it's not. Um, and it's not just the defense, obviously, but that was striking, you know, in that game, I just kind of, you know, I mean, there's all these crazy stats, like the giants haven't scored an offensive touchdown in the first half at all. They didn't two and three drives, you know, like they, they hadn't scored an offensive touchdown in a month. They did two and three drives and a third and 15. They had a, they had a third and third and goal from the 15 and they scored a touchdown. I mean, it's, it, it's tough to swallow. It really is. And then, you know, really on the other side, Um, you know, I'm not trying to let them off the hook. Like there's a lot to talk about here. Um, I thought 
Hal had a really rough game. Like, I don't think he's alone in that. Like we can talk about a lot of things. I know everybody's talking about shuffle around the offensive line. I think all everything's up for discussion after what happened against the giants. Yeah. And I think, you know, this was what was really, I think hard about that side of the ball. And especially in rewatching is I don't think, I mean, if I'm not surprised by what the other team is doing, then they are definitely not surprised by what the other team is doing. It's not like the giants pulled out some kind of like blitz heavy game plan that they quote unquote, never do. This is who they are. This is what they do. Um, and the commanders seemed wholly unprepared for it, especially early in the game really did. I mean, the line yes. problems, picking up who they were supposed to pick up. I mean, there were a couple sacks, John, where three offensive linemen were beat. Like, so Yeah, I talked you- about that on the film review part, and yeah. that was one, yeah, a little stunt to the side where Sadiq Charles, they got three guys blocking down. It was yeah, amazing. Three guys blocking. Three guys are beat on one sack. I mean, like, so... There's, and then, you know, how yeah, does he hang on to the ball a little too much sometimes? Yeah. Should he read this faster, get rid of it? Sure. But then you hear things like Terry McLaurin in the locker room saying, you know, when teams are doing things like this, there are some answers. I'd like to see us go to it a little bit earlier, which it's is awesome. a very diplomatic way of saying, I think we should have gotten away from our script. So it is really everybody here. And, you know, Hal's getting hit a ton. He's taking a million sacks. He was far more inaccurate this week than he's been in previous weeks. He had shown some signs of inaccuracy in Atlanta. I don't want to see this kid get beat up so much that like he changes how he plays or he becomes a different player because I've liked like the early signs of what he is, but they got to help him out. And I don't have the answer for that. I'm not the coach, but I can tell you what I see. And what I see is this offense is not functioning on the same page with one another whatsoever. And what you heard in the locker room was some brewing, you know, finger that, that's the, That to me is a scary thing here, Brian, because yeah. we're not far from, from where it's going to, where it could get off a little bit here. Don't you think? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, you know, that that's the part with all of this, you know, going on, everything that's circling with new ownership and everybody's being measured. And now, you know, I thought it was a tinderbox waiting to happen when you have that many starters on expiring contracts, which we can get into because the trade deadline's coming up, um, that you really needed to start really, really well to not have these Titans very, very, very soon. And, you know, the only answer to it is fixes and winning. And look who's coming to town this week. I mean, I know they've been, you know, at times extremely competitive with this team, including a month ago. But off of what I've seen the last couple of weeks offensively, I am clearly concerned. I mean, they're three of their four touchdowns, right? Over the last two games have all been off turnovers and short fields, all of them. And I want to give them credit for that because red zone efficiency was a problem last year. Like I said, it's not all bad. I actually think they're very creative in the red zone. They are, they are, uh, they're cashing in a lot when they have these opportunities, they're cashing them in. They're largely performing very well. They were top 10 in red zone efficiency. So EB and company really are very creative down in scoring territory for the lo- for the most part here but between the 20s right now drives are either going backwards they're killing themselves with penalties the offense unraveled terribly you know over you know last week against the giants and so does that add up to beating you know a nfc contender uh, boy i hope so you know like i guess i saw the patriots who looked equally as bad for a couple of weeks beat the bills last week so i guess anything can happen yeah, and you know, here's here's the other thing too. Um, what was I going to say with um, with with Howell? I mean, it, it, obviously, the season becomes a lot about him and what he can do. But 
you know, it's funny because what are the solutions early they can get to? Because they start horribly on both sides of the ball. They are one of the, I think the, I would say they're the worst defense in the NFL in the first, on the first possession, in the first quarter, you know, certainly with all the metrics. And I'm writing a story about this for ESPN.com and, you know, put in some of the numbers in there. Conversely, they're one of the worst offenses in the first quarter and on the first possession. I think, I think early in the, like in the first quarter, they average like less than, you know, you all say like, and I even asked the question the other day, do you need to run the ball more? Do you, or just run it better? Then you have to be a lot more, but better. But they get they, their run game isn't very good, and it's it's. I think they get less than like two point five yards per carry in the first quarter. So it's like, what's the answer early? And you know, then then you have um, again protection breakdowns, and then you have when you have Terry. You, if you're not getting the and you have to get the ball to Terry McLaurin in the first. If you're struggling on offense, if things are popping and all that, and he's not getting the ball. Okay, that's the the goal is to pop. But if you're struggling. And that dude has one target in the first half. That's a massive failure. And he's got one-on-one situations on the outside and you're not getting the ball to him. That's a massive failure. And so like, there are just all sorts of issues here. That's hard to fathom. Now, the one of the things, Bram, that, you know, we got um, uh, a couple of things. Ron Rivera talked about, you know, having the, they feel like they have the quarterback that gives them some hope and, and the opportunity to get better in the second half. Yeah. Have you seen enough from Howell to say that? And do you, is this the rest of the season? Does How much has it become about him? Well, I, I mean, the early returns for me were actually very good. Like I really, I really do like, I like what's going on here, but I am, I am concerned about attrition, John. I mean, right, like right. taking too many hits, he's getting sacked over and over. Like he needs to, you know, like I, I, I hear them out on like he needs to develop and there's a lot going on here. And I, and I don't disagree with them on all of that. But I think the reason why he's out there is because he does have some a high skill set, some very good signs. He's resilient. But like I said, like it wasn't just that he got hit so many times and was sacked so many times. He was far more um, inaccurate than he's been um, over against the Giants. And he's really been in any other game. And I'm hoping that that's just a one-off, but it feels like a trend. It kind of started happening later in the Atlanta game where I think when we talked last week, I said, you know, this was the first time I watched him and I thought he forced a few things late where he really tried to get it to Terry, but really tried to force a few things. And I think some of the like criticisms of the offense was, well, this guy's getting all these targets and these guys aren't getting these targets. Well, the ball's going where it was supposed to. That's what I liked about what Sam was doing. Um, you know, yeah, he's had some mistakes, but like that's what was happening. It started getting inaccurate late against Atlanta. And then this one like was striking. Like he missed on a third and five. He missed Logan Thomas badly on what should have been a pitch and catch. Yes. Um, there were a couple big. of others early in the game where I know yes. like, yeah, like I know he took a lot of sacks and he's running around for his life and all this stuff. But he, when he did have some clean pockets, he was missing. So that just worries me that like he's had 40 sacks and he's been hit more than anybody else. And there's a long way to go here. So um, to answer your question, I do see the signs there. I think they need to protect him more. And I don't know exactly what the, I agree with you on the run game. It's not as simple, just run the ball more because it isn't really working early. No, it's not. You need to refine it because if nothing else, they've got to take some of the load off. I, I can't believe, I never would have thought, as much as I expect them to pass more than they did, I never would have envisioned them being a 65, 35, 70, 30 pass team. Never, ever, ever mm-hmm. with this offensive line and this young of a quarterback who they keep saying they need to protect. 
I never, ever, ever would have thought that was the case. So whether it's working or not, they got to figure out a way to run the ball more and try to make this easier on everybody. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is celebrating with an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down $5 on the NBA. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. You'll start the season with an instant dub. And with DraftKings parlays, everyone's got a shot at even bigger basketball wins. String together multiple bets from the same game or build your parlay across multiple games for a shot at making your payday even sweeter. Basketball's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KIME, K-E-I-M. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5 only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KIME. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit CCP pg.org please play responsibly on behalf of boot hill casino and resort licensee partner golden nugget lake charles 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance see sportsbook.draftkings.com basketball terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources yeah and i think it, and the problem is it's not just listen I thought the other day, I felt like the protection was really bad. And, it, you know, in other, a lot of the other games with the sacks, I felt I felt like a lot of it was on Howell and just some pension. But there were times the other day where blitz isn't picked up, and, and it should be because you have enough in protection to do so. And then, But then you look at the all-22, and nobody's turned around when he's about to get hit. And so where does you, where do you go with the ball? So that was a problem. Then then are the receivers getting enough separation against press man coverage consistently? And I think I think with um, uh, Terry McLaurin is the best one at that, right? And you know, but there were there were just a number of times where there's like you have McLaurin one on one on the outside, that's where you go, or Dotson even, right? And there were a couple of times he tried to do that. So you know that it's just been it's been a problem. And I think I just I wonder about about the the run game design because you don't see until they got on the on like Brian Robinson's touchdown you don't see a lot of gaps really really good gaps created is that because of some of it's just the design some of it could be um, Robinson setting it up I feel like Chris Rodriguez does a good job with that however some of the runs where he had five or six yards a lot of it is him plowing forward for four more yards when when guys are at his legs. So it's just, it's just, it's not working. And I felt like you knew that there would be an adjustment with this offense because there are a lot of new guys and there is a young quarterback and all that. So you knew there'd be an adjustment. I think that to be honest, Bram, the disappointing part is how bad the defense has been because you felt like if the defense can play a certain way over the first seven or eight weeks, nine weeks, then it gives the offense a chance to kind of develop. And, And that really hasn't been the case either. So that I think has been the most disappointing part because that was the proven quote unquote side of the ball. Yeah. So, you know, but again, yeah, so my bar is just higher for them. Like I, I just, well, I, they're, they're bar, listen, the bar is really low for them right now. Yeah. But, but I mean, like going in, bad. like the bar is high. This is the bar yeah. I expect you to clear. The offense, I was willing to sit back and go, right. all right, let's see what we got for a few weeks. And then hopefully it'll grow from there. And then hopefully it'll get better. And when we turn the corner in the second half of the season, as long as we're competitive, 
let's see what we got. And I was excited about that idea. The defense being a bottom five in yards allowed and bottom three in points allowed. And I know the last couple of weeks, they haven't given up a ton of points, but how in the world would they have to those offenses that they faced? I mean, I mean honestly, like how in the world, John, they're a bottom three scoring defense. They've played Arizona, the Giants, mm-hmm. Atlanta, and Chicago. Like mm-hmm. none of them are high scoring offenses. Like how in the world could you, could you be that level of a scoring defense? It, it's hard to envision. It's hard to imagine. And, you know, this is the time of year, typically when things kind of steal themselves and they get better. I think, you know, everyone has a short memory. Like there were very, very rough issues um, early last year where they're giving up massive big plays and they're getting blown out and big giant holes. And they came back in some and didn't in others. Like the first Eagles matchup last year was a complete, not unlike what happened last week. The first half was ridiculous. You know, they found a way to turn it around. My concern here is like the ground's very shaky here, John. I mean, like, we have not heard smoke signals from this ownership group about what they are thinking right now. And I believe that, you know, purposefully they've allowed this just to play out, which I think is the right thing to do. But now that the record is what it is now that they've lost the games that they've lost the last couple of weeks, there's a trade deadline coming up and they have a lot of expiring contracts and I'm not here to propose anything. I'm just telling you if I'm them, I'm thinking about some of this stuff. Oh, so, and that's where I was going to, I wanted to get to and And because that, but for, before we get to the trade deadline, real quick, are there any changes you think that could be made on that line that could help them? Like, you know, uh, Nick Gates had a rough game and has yeah. been very inconsistent with Tyler Larson. Other people are asking this and, and I wonder it myself, would he be a better option for them inside? And, you know, I wonder what they do at left guard with Sadiq Charles with the calf injury can Chris Paul, I don't, I don't think Chris Paul is going to be the answer, but like, you know, who knows? Could are there any changes that you feel could be made? Cause they're not changing the tackles. No. And I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know how they could or would and, and think that it's going to be, you know, that much better. Um, you know, I think the interior of the offensive line, which I was like excited about of the line uh, was really taken advantage of obviously this past week. And, and Nick Gates had a rough game. I mean, a really rough game. Um, do you make a shift like that? I, I don't know. I mean, I'd really have to want to go back actually and watch the Philly tape again to get a better sense of how they handled the point of attack. Because why would you, if you felt like you were successful offensively against them, why would you shuffle everything around as you get set for a rematch? I would feel relatively confident assuming health. Um, you know, Charles is a different situation. We'll have to figure it. We'll have to wait and see what it is with him, but I, I don't think I'm going in that direction. Do you want to put Chris Paul in? I think that would signal to the other team that you plan to become much more of a rush offense than you do of a pass offense. But I don't know that that's the worst thing in the world, frankly. So I don't know that there really is not a there's lot no they can do. I mean, it would be the best way I could put it. I don't think there's a lot they can do other than shuffle a deck for the sake of shuffling the deck. I do. Th- I do think you. You. You know. Again, my thing is there are certain guys you need to get the ball early to, and do you incorporate Chris Rodriguez a little bit more? for some more consistency in the run game. Yeah. There aren't these major moves that are going to make this, you know, I think with Bienemy, I think the offense, there is, there's a disconnect, I would just say. And I think that, you know, is that because he doesn't know the, is he still learning that he's not in Kansas city and can't call a certain way for this group? I don't know. The other thing is with the trade deadline. So um, with the trade deadline, here's what I know. First of all, you know, the talk about them announcing that, that chase young and, and Montez Sweater, you know, they're out there. 
teams have been calling on these guys for a long time. For months. For months. Like, this is not anything new that teams – teams call to other teams all the time. So they're always gauging what someone's value is. I can tell you they've received no offers for them at this point. Mm-hmm. However, you know, if they lose, then you, I, I'm like you, I don't know what's going to happen. And then it's like, what is their value? What would it take for you to trade them right now, as opposed yep. to waiting to see how the rest of the year goes. And then the compensation you would get, you know, can you sign one or one or both? Um, and if, you know, if you don't get a good draft pick now, why would you trade them? I don't know that you're going to get, you know, you're certainly not getting a first round pick for anybody. Not at all. You know, it's, you know, what's really interesting about it. Like knowing what the situation was, the new ownership comes in, they're going to give everybody a chance to present their vision. They're going to give everybody a chance to do their jobs. And I feel like I haven't felt like anybody's been undermined throughout this process whatsoever. I think they're sitting back watching and they're letting things go and we'll see what happens if things started really, really bad, like one in five or something like that, I think we all know what would be coming. And if they started five and one, I think we would have been like, great, let it play out. Let's just see where we are in December, January, right? It's this middle spot that's so difficult mm-hmm. if I was sitting in the room with them that I think it's hard to gauge what to do. Ron Rivera is not going to trade anybody. Why would he? He's not going to undermine his own staff and make it harder for himself to win, to set up what? Somebody else for next year? So he's not motivated to do that, which means the ownership would have to dictate something like that happening. But they have not yet inserted themselves, at least as far as I know, in that way. So if they do so, they're undermining their own coach, so that could spiral the season. And at the same time, I will hear out, they have so many expiring contracts, one franchise tag, that they have to make decisions in the best interest of the team if they have no intention of signing some of these people to long-term deals and there's interest in them in the market. So they are in, welcome to ownership, guys. You are in the trickiest right. spots. <laughs> and yeah, I wish and, you guys luck with it because I'm glad yeah. I'm not making that decision. I'm going to sit back and watch and see what you do. Right. And I don't, like I said, I, I just, to me, it depends on what somebody's willing to offer. There's also no, like, and here's the other thing. If the owner, because the ownership could look at this and say, listen, Ron, you know, this is what we want you to do. And what you, with the ownership, if I'm the ownership, I'm looking at trying to make it more enticing for if it goes south for whoever comes in next. If that's, if that, if you think that, like, hey, this is three, you're three and five, not going the way we want. And, you know, we need to, we're going to look at the future. And if you guys rally with these young guys, we'll take that into consideration and, and keeping you for the future. If not, we want assets. So you're not going to trade these guys for an offensive lineman or a linebacker or anything like that, because what you need are assets. That's what these guys need. And I, I could see if you're going to trade them, it's probably, it would be for a draft pick. Yeah, um, of course it know. would be to set the table for whoever right. the next decision makers are at the same time. You know, I'm sitting here saying this going, but they're three and four. The season is not over. No, I know it looked very good recently. No, it hasn't. And if you do make these moves now, you're undermining this season. You're undermining this coach having any chance of turning it around. Right. So I, it's not an enviable spot to be in. And plus, like, I think it's like what I liked about this ownership group coming in, especially with Josh Harris is he's owned teams before. He's not going to be someone who's going to have an itchy trigger finger to do things that are very rash. So, you know, he's been in the ups and downs. 
He's lived it in the NBA. He's lived it in the NHL, really in the NBA, especially with that team, with the trades that they've had to go through with some very prominent players up there. So this isn't the first time that he personally has had to deal with this. And, you know, this Magic Johnson, if he's being consulted about it, this is the eight millionth time that he's dealt with very complicated issues in the middle of a season. So I do feel like we're in the steady hands that won't do anything really rash. That said, I do think they need, they're going to, they, this is, they're the owners. They're going to have this year and they could choose to it's Ron's job until the end of this year. And we're going to let this play out and however he sees best fit, or they could say, Ron, we don't like what's going on here. We don't think that we're going to extend this person, this person, this person. We want the market tested to see what it is. Right. And, and I could see either one of those scenarios. Right. Really. And then, and then in that situation, do let's say, cause the guys who have the most market value are Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Then the question is, what kind of market value do they have for basically what would be half a season? Are teams really going to give you more than a third round pick at right. this point? And I don't know why you would do that. To be honest, for Montez, you want to see the plays and, and he's not there. Chase Young is, has been a lot more active, but you want to see, you know, for him to get a lot of value, you want to see game changing plays, et cetera. So I don't know that you're going to get anything above that, in which cases, like you may as well ride it out and just see where it goes knowing that you get that comp pick, but not until the following year. So really it becomes if you, you know, would you want something now? I don't know that a lot of other guys, you have Cam Curl, um, Casey Tuhill, James McWilliams, Antonio Gibson, Cody Barton, Hurt, Sadiq Charles, Hurt, Kendall Fuller, Curtis Samuel. Are you going to get something for them? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's what you'd have to, to look at. Um, and I don't know. So, but I think it becomes a legit question if they lose and I don't think it's a rash decision if you're three and five and the owner says, we're not going to resign all these guys. So, you know, who are some guys well, that you may think may have some value to get something, but, uh, yeah. I, and I don't know that there's a lot there. No, it, it, well, it would also be not only be three and five, but it'd be three and five, zero oh, and three in the division. Correct. So, you know, you're, you're, you're big trouble there. Right. And then, right. so we all get it. Like that said, like, <laughs> just think about that. Like they go into kind of sell mode and then they're asking Rivera to keep the locker room together for the rest of the year. And you know, the, the biggest concern for me, you know, really going in with all the expiring contracts. And I don't think this was totally by design. I mean, honestly, like because previous ownership was selling the team, I don't believe there was much authorization to go out and sign anybody on the team, even if they wanted right, to. Right. And then the new ownership came in so late. Remember during the summer, Rivera was saying things like, like, I want to present a vision to them and I need to talk to them. And, and I, I, you know, obviously the answer back was we want to see this play out and we'll just let the chips fall where they may. So some of this was not totally by design. Um, you know, that said, the one decision that they could have made that they chose not to was they could have protected one more year with Chase Young and they chose not to do that. They did not pick up the fifth year option. So that's the one where they had an option to do so. Um, but there are a lot of expiring contracts and this can go a lot of different ways. And what concerns me is if the season kind of really turns you know, that it's going to be an every man for himself mentality because everyone's going to get advice from their agents that they need to do what they need to do um, to, you know, position themselves to get money either in Washington or somewhere else. And and that's where I get worried. It becomes Lord of the Flies. And, and of course, that's not what I want out of this season at all. Like, I'm hoping they stay competitive and they give themselves a chance. They are, again, three and four. And right. it doesn't and- mean they can't win this weekend. And if they did, you know, they're four and four. I think we're having a very different conversation next Tuesday night, frankly. Sure. Oh yeah. And and that's the thing in this league, it changes like that. And, but they, but my, you know, the concern that I have is that you need to start seeing them 
again, to me, it always just starts with playing good football and they just haven't. And, and that is what I think um, has been the most disappointing thing. We got Brian, we got about a few more minutes. You got any questions up here that we need to answer? Uh, you know, I mean, I haven't seen many other than people are just complaining, <laughs> which, yeah, I don't, now, I don't blame them. This is therapy Tuesday, like vet it out, baby, because it is, it is just, it's been, it's, it's hard to watch and I don't blame people for, for feeling the way yeah. they do. And Here's you, one. I, I, I'd like to hear what your thoughts are on this. Um, John Allen, you know, had a, had a moment in the locker room the other day. Right. And, and um, you know, uh, I was talking to a couple of people I work with who said, you know, this isn't that out of character. Every year he has a moment or two where he gets right. frustrated because he wants to win. He, he gets frustrated. This one was a little much. When you say seven years of this, um, what, what, did, what, did you, what did you take that to I, mean? I didn't take it. My understanding is that that, you know, certainly, especially with Del Rio, that, he has no problems with him. So, and I'm not saying he does with Rivera. I don't think that's the case. I just think it's after a while. Listen, fans have been feeling this way for a few decades. He's been going through this for seven years and it's his life, right? It's his livelihood and you keep losing. And it's the same story every year. You think there's this, you think there's that, you know, they, they are things that were changed up and they, listen, man, they gave a lot of power to Eric Bieniemy. And that trickled down to feel everybody feeling it on defense and offense. And if you're going to go through a certain tra- kind of training camp, you want to see the, the results pay off. And it has not. And I think so. I think there's a lot of frustration with a lot of that stuff. Not, you know, just that it hasn't paid off. And it's another year where it feels like, where is it going? And like there was nobody more excited, I think, the day of the press conference with Josh Harris at FedEx the guy, the two people who were most excited and maybe the most was John Allen because, because the fans were there and they were excited about something. And he, you could feel with those guys that they felt, Hey, maybe it's going to be different this year. And they're busting their ass during, during training camp, et cetera. And then it hasn't been different. So I think if I'm, I mean, shoot, I'd be frustrated too. I and mean, that was a different level of tirade, but I think it was as much um, just the same stuff keeps happening, but you know, yeah. again, there's that do your job thing. And I think a lot of that was for those D linemen to, and it's not just them, it's not, but they're, they're the, they should be the anchors of this whole situation on defense. And, and that's where, you know, it has to start up front because they're they're That's where the talent is. Yeah. I think the only other one I, I would like to hear your perspective on was Terry McLaurin is very diplomatic, but it was pointed in the locker. Oh, very. It was very, I mean, it was, it was very pointed about, you know, adjusting, you know, on the fly. And it was meant to the coaches. It was, oh, you there's know, a thousand percent it was. I don't know what your, your read, what, cause I thought he did it in a very diplomatic manner, but his message was loud and clear to me. And I think it was to you too. So I, I wonder how you kind of felt about that. Definitely. And here's there. And I talked about this on the film review that was, uh, that's up now. So if you want to hear more about that, some somewhat like what was going, what really went wrong in offense, it was the play calling to me was part of it. It was not the only thing as we talked about some of the stuff earlier, but I look at how the Giants handled Tyrod Taylor in the first half. Some of the things they did to help out a situation where you have a banged up line, where you have a, a backup quarterback and, you know, what did they do? And there were times like that second drive, you see you have Jalen Hyatt one-on-one with Benjamin say juice on the outside, you automatically go to the fade. And that's something they didn't get to with McLaurin until one minute was left in the third quarter. Now he did run a fade earlier in the game. 
didn't go to him, and they ran a, like a, a back shoulder deep one to to Dotson, but it wasn't enough. And then they started doing more meshes and crossers. I would say, trust me, like you know, he's aware, well aware of of what was and wasn't being run. And then when he says too, you know, guys are coming up to me saying, "We need you to make a play. We need you to make a play." The code for that is, "Give me the ball." That's 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 the that's the Terry McLaurin version of throw me the damn ball because because that's how he is. He's very diplomatic. He's never he does not want to go and ruffle feathers. He does not want to be a distraction. He's he had he had talked to us a few of us a few of us a few weeks ago about how one time he did go to the coaches about some you know not this season but in the previous season and he said it backfired on him. So he doesn't you know he's very careful about all this. But when he says that you have to take notice. You have to. And I think, I think that, I think, I don't know how much they did or not because we'll see, but it's funny because the other thing, Bram, along with that is in the past, we'd always see, okay, McClellan doesn't get the ball out this game in the first half, first half, next game, he's going to get the ball a lot. It was very similar to in the past, Hey, you threw 50 times in a game. That's not what we do. We got to go back to running. They go back to running. Now, you know, I asked Rivera about that Monday and he's comfortable with what it is. Anyways, so that's, but that's my take. It was, it was very telling what he said. Yeah. I, he's uh Rivera has publicly backed the enemy through all of it, even through the questions. And at times, you know, I do wonder why across the board, do you uh, like back everything that's happened so far, but that's where we are. Yeah. So, and I think, and, and I think and, and to them, Despite how it feels to everybody else, it is still early, and there are ways you can turn it around. I mean, we've seen seasons like that before where yep. it just turns, and you don't always know, and you just start playing better. Yep. But, man, the schedule in the first seven games was made for them to be in a better spot, yep. and they're not. Four and three and instead so, of three and four. Right? If yeah. they go for two in Philadelphia and get that win, <laughs> they'll feel a little bit differently about everything, honestly. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you – listen, there's – I mean – Sunday, they were they were as bad as they played. There were still chances in the end, and that last play was was a heartbreaker for them. But there were chances, and they just didn't capitalize. So, you know, we'll see. Another, not, but you know, listen, we say this every time, but oh, if they beat this team on Sunday, then it all looks different. Well, you have to go out and do it. But it's going to be a tough one. I, it's funny, Bram. The last thing I'll say is after that Eagles game, I remember thinking like they're going to win the second game because they went toe to toe with them. They look good. They, it was not a moral victory, but they but they played not in all phases, the big plays, but they played well enough. You're thinking they picked them apart on D, you know, or with the on their off with Washington's offense picked them apart, but not playing well since. So, anyways, Bram, that's all I got. Thanks everybody for tuning in again. I appreciate. I don't enjoy having these therapy Tuesday sessions for you, but that's where we're at, folks. So I always appreciate you tuning in, Bram. Thanks for joining me again. I'll be back on Thursday with another edition. We'll be talking to Sam Fortier of the Washington Post as we dig in deeper into some of these issues and looking forward to what might happen next. Talk to you next time.